title of, of what I've given us, um, if we go to the next slide, is the woman encounters the well. The woman encounters the well. We're going to be jumping to John 4. Um, and we're going to be reading through John 4. But I just love what Chris came up and said. Like she is just the hands and feet encountering people. So people are able to encounter Jesus through her. We are called to this encountering ministry where we go out and we show people Jesus. And I absolutely love that. Um, and there's a moment that takes place, and we're going to talk about it in John 4, where, where a woman encounters Jesus. She comes across Jesus, and it's like this most life-changing moment that she'll ever go through. But before we get there, we're going to just take a little step back. So a background to John, obviously. Um, Pastor Nigel's been, been talking to us all about the, uh, John 1, so if you can remember going through John 1 a little bit, we know that John is talking and trying to convey in his gospel that, that Jesus is God. This is his sort of main thing. So in Matthew, we start Matthew, and the writer starts Matthew in this lovely genealogy where we come and we read it at Christmas time and come to this place where we end up that, uh, uh, that this is the promised Messiah. Now, John is trying to write almost backwards. We've got this man, Jesus, but he is also God. It's a very different world that they lived in. They all believed in gods and different sort of gods. But the fact that a man could be God was absolutely unheard of, and this is what he's trying to do, which is why, as we've already explored together, in the beginning was the word, the logos. In the beginning was Jesus, and he was with God, and he was God. It's very predominant at the very start. So, so John's gospel is constantly trying to speak over this idea that Jesus is in fact God and then the second thing a bit second bit more background is because we're jumping all of a sudden from the first chapter of John to the fourth stuff happens in between so the wedding of Cana happens in between where Jesus starts his his ministry and then all of a sudden uh, we find in John chapter 3, as Pastor Nigel told us earlier as well, he starts, Jesus starts teaching and John the Baptist declares who Jesus is to people. He, he says this is who he is. And now as a result of that, the Pharisees, the people around him, start to kick up a little bit of a fuss. All of a sudden, Jesus is, has found himself in this bottom bit here, Judea, um, and he is, he is starting to have this, at the end, at the start of John 4, we start to hear the, the, the Pharisees aren't happy. They have a way of doing things, and Jesus all of a sudden turns up and says, well, actually, I'm the way. I'm the way we should be doing things. You follow me not these rituals and not these other things that you have been doing, and that upsets the Pharisees. So as we read in John chapter 4, verse 1, we're going to read all of it, by the way. It's a lot, lot, and we're going to stop off at different points. There's quite a few verses, but just stick with it. It's really important stuff. It says this, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had gone through, now he had to go through Samaria. This is chapter, uh, verse four. He had to go through Samaria. This is sort of why we have this map here. Okay, so just so you know, uh, he's in Ephraim here. This is where Jesus is at the moment. And the Bible says he has to go through Samaria. A bit of background to Samaria is that the, the Samaritans who lived there were, were seen by the Jews as not real Jews. They were, we don't associate them. It was a very divided 
culture, a very, a very difficult culture to live in. And, and what Jesus, what they would have often done is, is this dotted line that goes all the way Samaria, around Samaria, they would, have, they would have gone through. So they would have followed this route that was slightly different a lot of the time because we don't associate with those people. We don't go close to those people. There's no way we go near those people and the best way is to walk around. This would have added weeks onto a journey but it was worth it. We'll add a couple more weeks onto our journey just so we don't have to walk through this, this area. But Jesus has to go through Samaria. He doesn't want to go through the normal route, but it says here he has to go through Samaria. Why does he have to go through Samaria? Because he's got, a, he's got a, an appointment he needs to turn up to. He's got somewhere he needs to be. He doesn't realize, the disciples doesn't realize, but Jesus is like, there's, there's someone I need to see at a certain well. So Jesus sets off, verse five, he comes to a, t- a small town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Jesus is tired. This is just another thing that we need to pick up on as we continue this long, long journey, is that Jesus is tired. Anyone here feel a bit tired? Yeah? New mum, uh, second, got a baby over there. She's like, preach it, come on. Like, I feel very tired right now. A lot of people feel tired, and this is the beautiful thing about Jesus, is he comes to us fully human and feels emotions that we feel. Like you feel tired and you're like, yeah, but God, I just feel so tired, I wish you could feel the way that I felt. Jesus did. He felt tired and he sits down, too tired to draw himself water, but waiting for a lady to come along. It's also noon, it's really important that it's noon. It's noon, which means it's the hottest part of the day. No one should be out at this well. No one should be getting water, but this woman comes at noon to get water. She's probably shunned by her community. She's an outsider. She gets water when no one else gets water. She's not allowed to, do, to go with all the other uh, people to get water. She has to go at a different time. Verse seven, when a Samaritan woman came to drew water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. Jesus sees this woman and gives her a job. Verse nine, the Samaritan woman said, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So when she encounters Jesus straight away, this woman sees a religious divide, the social divide, and also her inadequacies. How could this man ask me to do something for him? Maybe that's a little bit like you. Jesus is asking you to do something and you've sat there and you've gone, how on earth could I do that for you? I've got this wrong with me, there's this issue, there's this happening in my life. And Jesus answered her, verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Living water, we're gonna come back to this motif of water and living water. Sir, the woman said, you have, done nothing, you have nothing to draw, water, uh, draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave the well and drank from himself and his sons and his livestock also? 
And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will, co- will become in, a, in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't thirst and have to keep coming to this well to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I love this by Jesus. He's just baiting this woman in this conversation. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right, you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands and the man you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on the mountain, but you Jews claim the place where uh, where we must worship in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus said, believe me, a a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We Jews, uh, we worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come where worship Worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah called the Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one who am speaking to you, I am he. We're just gonna park the bus there really quickly because I just love this back and forth that's taking place between the Samaritan woman and Jesus. And we're gonna talk a little bit about Jesus turning around and saying, I'm the living well, I'm, I'm the living, like what on earth does that mean? You can drink from me, how do we drink from Jesus? But I just love the fact that Jesus is baiting this woman into a conversation. He, he sees the woman's identity and her identity is wrapped up over the fact that she's had five husbands, an outcast. And we could talk about why that was. Was she an adulteress? Was she a, a prostitute? Did her husbands leave her? Like, did her husbands die? What could it be? It doesn't really matter. What matters most is the fact that her identity is surrounded by her life her history, what's happened to her. And as a result, she's no good to come out to get water with everyone else. She's an outcast. Everything that she does has been dictated already by societal standards. And now she just comes out at, at, at noon to get water. And Jesus looks at her. Jesus knows the sin in her and still gives her a job to do. She, Jesus looks at this woman and says, would you draw water for me? Like, I've got a job for you to do right now. Would you be able to do that? And this woman is like, like totally obsessed with this, this idea of who she was and all of her history. But Jesus looks past her sin and shame and still wants a relationship with her, still has something to offer. I just love this moment. Jesus is asking you to do something for him, but he can also see your sin and shame. Like a scary thing, and Jesus can see all my sin and everything that I'm ashamed of. But he still asks you to take, do something in a part of this mission. 
He's still wanting relationship with you. He's still wanting to move. It doesn't matter if there's social divides. Let's move on. Jesus, uh, verse 27, chapter 27, I should say. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. She leaves her jar behind. The mission of her going to a well was to get water. And now she's decided, actually, I don't even need this water. Instead, I'm going to leave my old stuff behind and go into the new town. What I came with is left at the well. And now I go forward and meet the people. This mission changes. All of a sudden, Jesus asks her a very simple thing. Would you get water for me? That's all I'm asking right now is, would you get some water out of the well for me so I can drink? And with an act of obedience of the small, God uses her in a mighty, incredible way to go and speak to the people. I'm going to use this woman who has five husbands and is so ashamed of herself. She comes out at noon, not with anyone else. And I'm going to use this woman because she was obedient in the little thing. And I'm going to use her to save a whole town. What could God be asking you? The small things and small acts of obedience that God is asking you to do within your life. That seems so insignificant, and you're thinking, yeah, but God, why do I have to do this? That seems so small, but could save a whole town. What might they be? Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. And he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who has sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. Well, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus thus saying, the one who sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap uh, what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Um, This is completely off topic and nothing to do with what I'm talking about, but I also love the fact that God speaks through Chris when she reads out Mark 4 about sowing and reaping. And all of a sudden, in the passage, I've not communicated in any way with with her at all. But in the passage that I've got, it talks about reaping and sowing. And I just think maybe something, this is complete, I'm I'm off my notes right now. Maybe God is saying to someone here, what are the, what are, what's the, what, what are you sowing? Maybe you've come in today and you're like, yeah, but I keep talking, I keep talking, I keep talking, I keep speaking to someone, I'm sowing seeds all the time for someone and I'm not seeing the harvest. Like I'm not, they're not connecting God. Like I feel so disheartened, why should I have that conversation again? Because I keep having that conversation. And maybe God's saying, just keep going. 
Just keep going because the harvest will, someone else is gonna reap that, but I just need you to keep sowing seeds. Or maybe God's saying to you, get ready to reap some people. <laughs> the harvest is plentiful. People are sowing seeds all the time and we don't even realize. My friend, I was, I was speaking to my friend last night. Uh, we went out for a coffee and uh, it was nine o'clock by the by time we'd, we, I'd pulled up outside my house and I was still talking to him. Um, and I love it, he, he was asking me about the Trinity, he was asking me all these deep questions that he's wrestling with and he's on a journey, he's on a real journey, he's always been on a journey for as long as I've met him. And I'm really excited because he's just signed up to an Alpha course in his local area. And I was reading this this morning and I was just like so inspired because I'm like, I had that conversation and it was so insignificant and, and I'm so in a seed but then he's going to an alpha course and I might, not see the, 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 I might not be the person who gets him to Christ, but I've sowed him a seed. And now he's going to an alpha course to explore that and I absolutely love that. And it all actually started with that friend. I had a conversation with him once and I said to him, um, would you say you're a Christian? And he said, no, I'm not interested. And I came back and I was, absolutely, I was, I was gutted. I was really down in the dumps for a couple of days. And I spoke to my mum, I'm a, a mum's boy, that's, that's who I am, I love speaking to my mum, I speak to my mum about everything. I spoke to my mum, I was like, I'm just gutted, this has happened. And she looked at me and she, like, like just really just, well, have you prayed? Have you, have you prayed about it? And I was like, no, I, I haven't prayed about it, so I'll pray about it. And now, the power of prayer, we believe that prayer works, yes? The power of prayer, I'm talking to him all about doctrine, and he signed up for an alpha course, all because I was willing to sow a seed and also sow a seed in faith through prayer as well. That was completely off topic, so I'm very sorry about that. But Verse 39, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the saviour of the world. Jesus does something personal to every single person in that town. No longer do we believe just on our testimony, but Jesus is a very personal God and wants to, wants to be personal with you. Maybe you've come today and you, you find yourself somewhere in that story, one of, the, one of the groups. Maybe you feel like the woman, you feel ashamed, you feel broken, you feel like I'm just sinful. God's calling me to do something, but I just feel broken and I'm just thirsty and I'm just coming to the well and I need something more than what I've currently got. Maybe you've made a decision and you, you're following God, but you, you need that extra something. Maybe you don't feel like you are a Christian and you feel like you're just wandered to the well and you're just here. Maybe you feel like the town, a member of the town. You believe on the account of someone else, but you're like sat there thinking, when am I gonna encounter you, God? When am I going to have a moment with you? Or maybe you're like the disciples and you just turn up a little bit confused, like, what, what's just happened? And I'm just here and I'm, everything's okay. And I followed Jesus for a long time, but I just don't really know what's going on. 
right now, and I'm a bit confused. Who do you see yourself as within that story? We need to talk about water for a moment. Because Jesus says he is the well of living water. I don't know if anyone here does gardening or anything like that. I used to do landscape gardening. Um, It was like one of my first jobs. Uh, And there was this particular time where we had to go out and um, there was a a flower bed that all needed, there was like rocks, it was a terrible flower bed, whoever had put it there originally. Loads of rocks at the bottom of it. There was like this weed blanket thing that just wasn't very good at all and weeds were still growing through it so we had to remove that. And it was like boiling hot. It was like the middle of, everyone wants to change their garden in the middle of summer. No one wants to do it in the winter months when it's cool. Um, And it's boiling hot and the ground is so dry and so hard. And we're digging and we're digging and we're just like, this is hard work. And all of a sudden we noticed a hose pipe and we thought, that's brilliant. We're going to use that. And it was a bit messy at times, but we just soaked the ground and it became a bit muddy and all of a sudden it became really easy because from a gardening perspective we know water has a lot of good traits that we can use. Firstly, water is really good at loosening some things, some things that need to be loosened and it looks a bit messy sometimes, like on that, that um, flower bed as we started to loosen some things, it was muddy and we got a bit dirty and it wasn't always pretty, but it was effective. Water loosens things. The second thing water does is it cleans things. Water cleans things. We use it when we wash up. We use it when uh, we we do all, all different things, our clothes. We use water because it cleans things. But also water is instrumental in growth. Without water, plants don't grow. And so Dave is gonna pop up on stage now um, and we're gonna respond in a second. But when Jesus says he's this well of water, what he's doing is he's, he's prophetically pointing back to Eden where there was streams of living water that flowed from Eden, from the tree of life. And what he's doing is he's prophetically looking forward to his death. And when Jesus hung up on the tree, he hung up on that cross with his arms stretched out to save humanity. And what happened was they, they, they put a spear into his side. Let's see if he's really dead. And as they did that, blood came out but also water came out. And in this moment, what Jesus is saying is, I'm here to loosen some things. I'm here to cleanse some things. I'm here to grow some things. But I'm also here to to show you that that water is now flowing again. Eternal life is, is here. So if Dave comes up and we're just going to sing our last song and what we're going to do in this this moment is we're going to reflect on that story. There'll be a character in in that story that you feel most like. Maybe you feel like the disciples, 
you're confused. Maybe you feel like the woman and you just feel a bit ashamed. Maybe you feel like the town. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's the seeds. And that's what God's speaking to you about, sowing and reaping. But the beautiful thing about following Jesus is that the curse of sin is defeated. That's what John is doing here in this, this passage. He, 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 the passage is here so that we know this Jesus is really God. Look, he calls himself the Messiah. Look, he, he's pointing to his death where the flow, the, the, the water flows out of him just like once at Eden, this tree of life, the curse is defeated. And you are able to come in this moment to him. You're able to come and whatever you've brought with you, lay at his feet. Whatever you need, he is more than enough. And you come thirsty and you come tired and you're thinking, I need something else. It's been a really hard time for me. And he is faithful and just to finish every good work to come and meet you again and give you something to sip on. That your testimony of when Jesus moved within your life may be spread out to the streets and the cities and the towns on the island, that you can go out and say, this is what Jesus did for me. And people believe on your word, but then take it a step further and come to Jesus themselves and no longer just believe on your testimony but because of what he has done with you.